Welcome, friends, to the Soul Talk podcast, a show where we explore and uncover the path to the heart, amplifying your conscience. Join me as we meet incredible souls who are in this journey and learn from their experience and different methods that will make you vibrate your heart. Let's get into it. This is Monica Ramirez, Warrior of Love, and you are in Soul Talk. And we really appreciate uh, your presence here. And we have a very special um, guest. His name is George uh, Leonek. And I would like to he tell you a little bit who he is, because it is very, very interesting, this conversation that we're going to have with him. George, thank you for accepting my invitation, and uh, thank you for being here. Please tell us a little bit more about who you are and what yeah. you do. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Monica, for having me. It's great to be on Soul Talk and, and meet you. Uh, yes, I my background has uh, started off as a wildlife tracker. I've been teaching animal tracking and bringing people in the woods about nature observation and learning about wildlife, plants, and animals around their neighborhood. And uh, I've been doing that for about 25 years. And I've had this strong interest while I've been doing that is, is patterns, seeing patterns in nature, recognizing patterns, seeing spirals, you know, seeing plant growth and the way the leaves, flowers, animal tracks. And sacred geometry has kind of been an, a, a new thing that's developed for me over about five years, a strong interest in drawing the different patterns and uh, diving into the mystery, which seems like a never-ending mystery with the uh, sacred geometry. So that's some of my main passion and interest that I have right now. So I share both of those uh, skill sets that I have now. What do you make you start? Let me start with the animal tracker. That sounds very interesting. Mm -hmm. That um, what it makes you start? Uh, wh where are you at first? You're in, in Vermont, or where? Yes, you are? yes, yep. I'm in Vermont, so we've got a lot of snow out here. So that's a great uh, substrate for tracking animals in the winter time. So, uh, or <laughs> sandy desert places are also great too. But yeah, I'm in Vermont because the tracks, obviously. But uh, but what are the uses uh, of animal tracking? Well, you know, it's 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 varied based on what people's interests are. Uh, if you look at our, you know, evolutionary history, depending on what story you want to follow, but if we go way way back in our history, uh, you know, we come from hunter gatherer societies, or hunter gatherer societies still exist in many parts of the country, and they're, they're using tracking all the time for their basic living and subsistence needs. So some of it for them may have been for hunting, uh, may have been for ways of tracking weather patterns, where to move, you know, things like that. It's tracking is, is much bigger than just uh, wildlife and, and studying animals. It's, it's kind of a, a way of being, uh, developing awareness. And I'd say a lot of people who come to me are less interested in the hunting element of things and more into the the awareness of how to observe more, how to participate more with their surroundings, how to feel connected uh, with, you know, outside of the four walls that they're normally in, you know, and expand their, their awareness to the lives of other animals and just put them more in, in connection with nature. 
after I asked that question, I started thinking like, well, that's because I am not a hunter. <laughs> that's probably, and you just answered that. Uh, yes, <laughs> sorry, yeah. that was a question from a non-hunter uh, uh, person. <laughs> that's me. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up more in the coast. Uh, I'm from the south, um, Veracruz, Mexico, and we're in the fishing part more yeah. than um, hunting. And um, but now going to the sacred geometry that that's been one of my passions since a long time ago as an artist and I see that I, actually I was seeing your website and also your YouTube videos that you're doing amazing work in uh, mm -hmm. sacred geometry and it is yes and it's so beautiful that you can find it everywhere and in anything if we actually really observe. And uh, but when did that passion started for you? That because not everybody can see it. they observe, but they don't observe. And when that passion started for you? Well, I mean, when I when I got into tracking about uh, you know twenty five years ago, there was a book that got me kind of interested in it called uh, Voices of the First Day. It was called The Aboriginal Awakening in the Dreamtime. This is about the Australian uh, Aboriginals, and there was a lot of tracking in that book. But this book was written by Robert Lawler, and Robert Lawler also wrote another book called Sacred Geometry, and it's one of the best textbooks on sacred geometry. So, you know, back in my uh, 19, 20-year-old, I got both those books at the same time. So I actually kind of study both. I just happened to really get interested in the animal tracking, but I've always had a passion for that pattern recognition and pattern observation. So when I kind of made the switch from the animal tracking over towards more interest in sacred geometry, it was a perfect fit because all those observation skills that tracking taught, you know, looking for details, looking at a complex picture of multiple patterns and all over and finding a pattern within that, that's what I've been doing with tracking all the time. And, and really engaging with the mystery of it, you know, and asking questions and being curious and like following it like a trail. Um, and, and as you follow that trail, more of the mystery gets uh, revealed as you go further down the path. So I'd say it's really like a mindset that developed with the tracking. Hmm. I can see that. You're teaching them basically how to observe. Yeah. Like an artist, uh, we, you don't, like I, I always tell my students, it is, you learn how not to be the judgment, uh, remove the judgment from there, because it's not pretty or ugly, it just is. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the lights and the shadows and the forms and so forth that where you're learning to observe, it's removing the judgment, because that's what it gets us stuck yes. into any, into our personal growth, in fact. Exactly. But, yeah. I mean, I just, I mean, one of my, my great tracking mentors, uh, Charles Worsham, teacher, um, he was a visual artist, fantastic artist. And one of the main things he worked with, which he called primary vision, but he used the artist language of looking at texture, shape, line, value, color. And he really, he'd have us go out and look at a leaf and just walk us through that meditation of those, each of those components and that really enhanced that observation skill and get get at our mind out of the way and just move into what he called the primary vision rather than thinking you know what it is you're looking at. 
let it just reveal itself based on all those patterns. Yes, I can see that. And I was seeing also the colors are involved because I was seeing the color wheel in some of your and some of the uh, the pieces that you were doing. Yeah. And I thought, oh, wow, this is very, very, very interesting because the color wheel, it means a lot of things for many people. Of course, for artists, it's just a color wheel that it is very important. But in this, uh, we're, we're going to the sacred part of the color wheel. That's going to make it more interesting. Can you explain a little bit more? Uh, how do you use it in the sacred geometry, the color wheel? The... That's a really interesting question because you're actually touching on part of one of the places where I is like the most mystery for me because I didn't realize for many, many years, probably till I was about 25, that I'm red green colorblind. <laughs> so I, I, um, and, and just the other day, I was looking at those random dot, you know, color patterns where they say you'll see the number and everything. And it was like comparing to, you know, someone else, I was like seeing completely different uh, patterns there because I was looking at different things. So I don't actually know what my color selection looks like probably to, uh, you know, 90% of the population, you know, what they're seeing when I look at it, uh, when, when they look at it. Uh, but I am attracted to the red that I see and the blues and the yellows together in those combinations and the oranges and the greens. I tend to like to focus on those primary uh, rainbow colors, although I, I don't believe I see them like everybody else does. So that's been an interesting kind of mystery for me in this uh, process. Well, the majority of the people, when the, as an art teacher, uh, when they see, okay, you're going to paint the trees, like, oh, it's green. Yes, but there are thousands of shades of green. Yeah. A tree is not only one shade of green, or nothing is only one shade. There is a variety that probably we can't even count it, yeah. how many uh, shades we have of one simple color. Yeah. But that also goes in vibration, and it goes also in energy, mm. depending on the vibration or depending on the color, and that's where you change everything what we're uh, observing but not we're not used to it uh, no one teaches to not even to our ancestors to actually really observe the 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 shades or the forms that now that is that's the complex of the sacred geometry yeah, i think i think you're right with that it's like because i didn't have a prominent uh, of just selecting colors based on the colors I knew. I've probably always had a natural tendency to look for the value in difference between shades. You know, so if I go berry picking, looking for strawberries, they don't just pop out red, bam, there they are. You know, like other people are just, there's a straw. I have to really like look into the green and find the shaded difference. And I'm constantly doing that. So by using the value. And I think it's really helped with uh, the observation skills because I've had to work a little harder at it and rely less on color and more on the, uh, the textures and shapes, the other information that's there that can actually maybe sometimes be lost if we just focus on, well, that's the color, that's, you know, bam, that's what it is. You know, there's, there's other information maybe that I focus on in there. In the sacred uh, geometry, I would like to know what is their use for. Can you explain us a little bit more of the use for, practical use for, 
because it is it is everywhere wherever we look wherever we observe it is there but what is the use for well i guess it, it, i mean there's a lot of uh a lot of ways you can address that question i guess from a personal practical use as an individual um you know what does it mean to me you know for one it's pleasing to uh you can meditate with it you can use it as a, a, a mandala you know to focus your attention and awareness on that's a, a great way to interact with it but i would say really once you start to apply yourself with learning the techniques of the drawing then you're really starting to experience it and that's a meditation in and of itself so it's another type of like maybe art therapy you know some people will do art just to kind of relax or, or calm down or learn more about themselves you can do the sacred geometry in that way and also leading to get to know more about yourself like how much of a perfectionist or how much is perfection important to you when you're doing sacred geometry and does your circle match up and like can you keep going if it's not matched up you know it it brings up that introspection you know to learn more about oneself so i, I see that all as a part of self-inquiry and meditation that can kind of come hand in hand and i believe that is very practical in uh in a well-being point point of view, you know, from self-awareness and well-being. A while back, I studied the numbers and uh, and also the different sides, like let's say the number two, you you write it down like this, but also you fold it, you have like a butterfly effect, mm -hmm. but also you turn it in the other side, you have a different form, but all of them are at the same time too, because everything, we, it is in the, all the four sides. Yeah. Or like like the natives they call it uh, the four, not the four elements, the four ah, the four directions. Yeah, and uh, and that has to do also with the uh, sacred geometry that one that you you do you create and you observe the numbers are involved in there. Oh yes, definitely. I mean the numbers are a large part of the sacred geometry more so than I really. Uh, recognized in the beginning i mean i have a have a background with uh native american philosophy when you're into tracking it sort of somehow comes hand in hand with understanding more of native teachers and i've spent time with different native teachers done you know ceremonies uh along the way and uh you know the four directions and the medicine wheel uh concept uh and uh tradition was very much probably some of my first real conscious introduction in sacred geometry in a way that put me into uh, the medicine wheel in a context that connected me well out beyond my little sphere, you know, of me. <laughs> you know, when you start talking about the directions and recognizing that direction as an energy and that it's related to, you know, a time of day and it's related to uh, animals and it's related, you know, all these connections that are connected through that um i know you were asking about numbers there uh I, i kind of went into the medicine wheel but yes numbers are very much associated with that i just thought i'd bring in the uh the connection to the directions as you mentioned there for just a second yes and the meaning of each number is actually it have different meanings like the number two is a lot of the transformation according to the Well, not on the America, uh, all the Indians actually. Um, I, I come from south, uh, from the south, from Mexico, 
and we use it also over there like number two or number three or number all the numbers uh, they have a different meaning but those the when you're doing um, sacred geometry I always have asked when I do it is this the triangle have a different meaning that a square or the circle has a different meaning that the that the sphere or or things like that do that is applied for also for the science of sacred geometry oh yes yes definitely i mean you, you know you can uh, and this is what i've read and you know different things that i've listened to along the way you have to feel into these yourself too you know i think that's the important thing is to always take these concepts of different numbers and then look at a square and does like does that really represent matter, you know, or earth, you know, having the square is just very structural sound. You know, the fire, the fire, the tetrahedron or the uh, triangular shape, you know, relating to the, the fire. Well, so uh, the sphere, you know, related to, to spirit, the universal oneness and wholeness, you know. So, yeah, sacred geometry are the, the five and the pentacle, you know, relating to uh, fire ratio and life. Uh, the hexagon may be more oriented towards, uh, you know, like a, a technological build or, you know, maybe very structured in order like bees, you know, with their hexagonal structures that they make for their hives. So all those have different energies and then you'll see those patterns in nature and then they're, they're constantly communicating to you. Like every flower has a different petal structure. and Right there you have a different feeling and energy that that flower is giving you based on those Petal arrangement that it has that may be associated with a number. And the beautiful part is like it's outside, it's also inside. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the number one, uh, or metaphysic also, how is here? It was one of the laws of metaphysics that is how is here, it's over there. Mm -hmm. So, how we see it in, in the minor scale in a flower, it is also in the same universe and also inside of us. Right. The microcosmos and the microcosmos. This is so, so interesting. Yes. Well, that's the, you know, the classic uh, as above, so below um, statement. And I think, you know, sacred geometry is really uh, getting you into seeing through that lens. Because when you're drawing this little structure of six circles around one, for instance, and you start connecting the lines and you realize, well, there's atomic structures that have that same type of makeup. And then you can bring that out to more, you know, biological scale. And then you can look at that even through a universal scale. So it really is a great entryway into that contemplation that you can have personally with the drawing. And then there's so much literature and research that one can then follow up on those questions to find out more information. Does a figure that you do, it depends on... the. It's something that the spectator is observing or is the artist that is creating it? It have a different meaning, one or the other. Okay, yeah, just describe that one more time for me. I, I like this question. I just want to make sure I understand it fully. There is always two points of views. One is the artist creating a piece mm -hmm. and the other one is the spectator observing the piece. Mm -hmm. Or it have the same meaning for both of them, for the spec from the observer or the artist that created. Mm -hmm. Like the piece you have in the background? Uh, like the piece you have in the background? Yeah. I am observing that piece and it can have a meaning for me and so forth, but for the artist that created the piece, 
it might have a different meaning, completely different meaning than for me that I am observing it. Uh, or is the same meaning? Well, that's a, that's a tough question. I mean, you, you might... Uh, it depends how, how much of the tradition is associated to what's behind me. You know, that, that came from a tradition. So there may be things in that tradition that uh, if, if you don't know that tradition, there might be different meanings associated with it. You might have a certain feeling that comes to it. And maybe if you talk to someone from that tradition... They might be like, oh, yeah, well, that that's kind of what we were trying to capture in that. Um, so I, I guess I guess that's the beauty of of the creations is just to have all the different perspectives that different perceivers can bring to it, you know, and that not one particular view or angle of seeing it has to be the, the correct interpretation. You know, that there can be multiple perspectives and conversations around it. Although there might have been very well an intent of the uh, the artists of what they wanted to convey, or at least what it conveyed to them. But then you put it out there and then it can mean something for everybody. And I think that's the, the, the joy of it, too, is just to see all the interpretations that may come up from your piece that you've created. That question I had it as a as an artist every time exhibit and they ask me, okay, what are you trying? Uh, what is, explain me your piece? And I am not so particular in explaining my pieces because it might have a different interpretation for the viewer than for me that I created the piece, yeah. and it might help them in different ways in their subconscious or whatever whatever they were needing to hear or see and observe. That for me when I was creating it, the piece. Mm-hmm. And that take me to the, my my question is: Do you do you channel? I don't say that I would try to specifically type type tap into trying to channel in any way. You know, I get into a state where everything uh, is just in relationship to what it is. Where the uh, the separation between observer and observed, let's just say, really becomes a very narrow, you know, disintegrates that I'm so absorbed within this that when I look back at what I've been doing, I'll have to try and reinterpret it with the, uh, the logical mind, <laughs> you know, to say, what is, what is this here that I've been working with? There's sometimes just so much information that comes in with sacred geometry for me, because I'm always on the, you know, new things are always being revealed to me. So it's always a mystery of what's coming through. Um, so, You know, it's like you get this uh, download of information, let's just call it. And then it's how do you uh, articulate that? So I don't put emphasis on the uh, where the source of it, it comes from, because I believe it comes from universal source anyway, from not just one particular uh, entity, let's just say, but just a universal feel. But then you have to bring it back down and, you know, manifest it in some way. And that's what the sacred geometry or the, the polyhedra forms that I make, you know, the different, uh, you know, little geometric structures, you know, you work with these things and you try to articulate it. So some may call that a form of channeling. I just don't put a lot of emphasis on that because that means so many things to different people, you know, in terms of what a channel means. Yeah, but sometimes it's messages, a lot of messages, not necessarily only for us, it's for the humanity. Mm -hmm. I am a channeler, 
So uh, sometimes the message, okay, I don't understand it. Let me try to digest it. Like you were saying, you received the download. It's like, let me try to figure it out. <laughs> How I'm going to explain this one or understand it first myself. And so I can uh, give it to give the message for the rest of the people that it's not only mine. Yeah. And that applies for the sacred geometry. Yes, well, very much so for me. I mean, I think the work, some of the work that I'm doing with it feels much bigger than my uh, my own little universe, you know, of what I'm working with. I mean, I try to articulate this material, share it. There's some uh, very unique finds in relationship to uh, the flower of life pattern and adding five circles to it and making some, uh, you know, little uh, adjustments with our in our field of sacred geometry in relationship to those forms. So it feels very um, purposeful for me and very much in alignment with a, a greater sense of purpose and, and mission around some of the work that I'm doing with this. Now, that doesn't seem just very, doesn't seem like it's a self-centered, self-driven uh, mission that I want to get this done. It's just the information's coming and I need to share it. That is a great video, guys. That you should check it out about the flower of um, flower of life that uh, that George did. That I highly recommend it to you. Have you have to see it, guys? It was a really good video. I love it. <laughs> the one you sent me. Oh, great! Thanks. I'm glad you saw that one. I, I have to remember which one that was. I sent you. Was it the uh, the in, the interview uh, flower of life blossoming in the new era? Maybe. Yes, that was the recent uh, le lecture that I gave on that one. Oh, great! I'm glad you liked that. Yes, it was it was really really nice because I always drawing and dueling, you know, and and doing always even if I'm watching the TV, I'm I'm drawing and that's that's how I actually do it. And it was very very interesting to see that. Oh, great! I'm happy to hear that. I really would love for more people to check that out because I think there's some really neat. Um, upgrades, you know, in, in, in our sacred geometry language that are contained within that material. Yes. And um, how people can take that? What are you teaching your classes that you, you have a, a school where you teach both animal tracking and, and, and sacred geometry? How do you teach those to people? Yes. Uh, well, the, the animal tracking is really just uh, in person outside in the woods. And, you know, majority of people who do that are, you know, live locally near me. Uh, and I have an apprenticeship where I have eight weekends out of the month where I've been taking people out and working with them and honing their observation skills. And then I recently started for the sacred geometry side of things, uh, an online apprenticeship, which is eight weeks My next one is coming up in March. I just completed my first uh, eight-week session of that ending in December, and that was spectacular. I had four great women in that program, and I've never taught sacred geometry online, and the platform worked really, really well. And, uh, you know, it was really exciting to show up each week and share new drawings and then see the artists producing beautiful work uh, You know, these are beginners. Some of them are beginners. You know, they've never drawn before at all. Some have been into it for a while. Um, and each of them really gaining something new from what I was sharing with them and producing some great work throughout the whole time. So that was really rewarding. So that's at my new geometry, K-N-E-W -K geometry. Um, 
at, at uh, newgeometry.space uh, apprenticeship if you're interested in that. Yes, I will put the, the, the description in the, your, your links in the description of this video so like that people can, can look for you. Okay. I, I was wondering right now, just crossing my mind, that the people that have OCD, Mm. And you know that everything has to do, um, or certain grades of OCD. One, my daughter is actually always a perfectionist. Mm. And when I'm doing something, mom, it's not completely symmetrical. You have to do it more symmetrical. And we're always arguing in that. <laughs> but when you're doing sacred geometry, you have to be more symmetrical than that, that even making a drawing a face. Because as human beings, we're not symmetrical. We have um, a smaller eye and then the other side and so forth. But in the sacred geometry, it is symmetrical, not like a, not like human beings that we're not. Yes, yes, it is. It uh, definitely works with strong symmetry in that. But that's where you can break that symmetry and break those rules and, and get more creative and change your size of your circles and you know, do other things with it and still produce a really interesting pieces that are meaningful. So it doesn't have to be uh, perfect. I, I've seen some real uh, breakthroughs with people just in my short time of teaching the sacred geometry who are either uh, too concerned about making mistake or just overly driven to be uh, you know, super perfect and how both those people kind of find a happy medium, you know, of what really works for them and kind of releasing those certain tendencies that really have that they grapple grab onto and uh, so i find it to be very transformative and healing at those levels uh, I, I believe so yeah. because like that they would not uh breaking the perfectionism that that's also get us stuck in so many ways in so many levels or many people are afraid to do anything because it's not perfect yeah and uh, and that's where sometimes it gets us stuck. And that, that's one of the, how do you call it? I, I just, the word. Uh, when we sabotage ourselves, uh, it is part of it. Yeah. Where the perfectionism. Yes, totally. And it's such a block, you know, for people taking the step to try something new, you know, because you already might have told yourself, I can do that, <laughs> you know, because it won't be perfect. But, you know, then all of a sudden you, you, you're missing out on an opportunity. So, uh, you know, I do drawings on an iPad sometimes that are just a hundred percent as perfect as the love for be, you know, every line lines up. And as soon as I go to the hand draw that, as soon as the pen or the compass hits the paper and I do my first circle and do the second circle, it's already, it may look pretty good. <laughs> it's already not as perfect as what that computer did. You know, it, and then as you add another circle and you add another circle, they're getting a little bit more off here and there and you're making little adjustments. It's still coming out. It's looking pretty good, but it's definitely not perfect <laughs> because I could show you the perfect computer one and you might think it looks perfect, but it's definitely not perfect, but it's good enough. And it gave you that sense of joy and relaxation and you learn about yourself for those tendencies. And I think that's a real key that I'd like to highlight more and more in the sacred geometry, because then it's really a tool for transformation, you know, personal transformation, when the right questions are asked, and they lead to those self discoveries of how we how that same tendency shows up in so many other areas of our life, 
that we might not be aware of, or that we are aware of, but we don't really want to take a look at it. But this little simple act of doing this drawing all of a sudden points it out to you right away, and you got to deal with it because you're sitting there with that piece of paper, and now that's your teacher. That is true. And um, I know there's many patterns of patterns over patterns, and also that's how teachers about dimensions. And uh, do you, in your animal tracking, being in the nature and observing the the sacred geometry in the nature, have you find that the portals of uh, different dimensions? Yeah, well, you know, there's all sorts of experiences that. Uh, will happen to people over the time once they start to really give their heart and mind to any particular endeavor that's of a spiritual nature, you know, that uh, could be yoga. For me, I, I did the tracking. It was a very spiritually oriented progress of uh, interest, the, uh, the sacred geometry. And it's done with that intent, you know, different experiences and different uh, things will open up, different modes of perception, extrasensory. The dream time really opens up, you know, uh, energetic experiences can start to happen uh, that are on uh, frequency and vibration types of levels through your body, you know, and uh, part of that is, uh, you know, with the animal tracking, really getting connected to the earth, getting your feet on the ground, breathing that fresh air, connecting with the rhythm of the planet, the sacred geometry, same thing. It's, you know, connecting you with both of those, but even more into the cosmological, you know, far out dimension, you know, universal perspective. So, you know, I don't, I don't share a lot on all the details of those experiences, but all those uh, extrasensory doorways to different dimensions of perceptions can and will open up when the intent is, you know, with an open, pure heart within the attention of how you're approaching these subjects, which are designed to lead people on their process of awakening, let's just say, you know, uh, they're all designed to be part of that. Can you tell us some, one of your experience? Uh, <laughs> can you tell us one of your experience in the forest when you start seeing that portal, those portals or those experiences? Well, you know, in the forest, um, you know, for me, I would say my my dream time experience is probably the, the stronger connection and opening, you know, around, you know, 3 a.m. ish and then when the, when the veil, you know, for me at least is very thin. That's when a lot of things can really start to happen that bring the daytime and the nighttime all together into one, you know, awaking the dream, you know, that can happen it, with beyond the dream. Um but you know, in the forest, the uh, the connection with the uh, the forest, where everything comes alive in a new way. You know, everything has a uh, an energetic uh, signature with it. You know, that goes beyond just the label of a name. It has a a real uh, impression to it that you know has a face to it. You know, I remember one series where I would look, go walking through the forest. Every tree that I looked at, you know, had an engraved face or a person or a rock would all of a sudden have an animal carved into the side of it. You know, the whole area was alive, much like uh, maybe Susan Boulay. Was that a woman? There's a woman who did a lot of Native American art where it's all, the whole forest is alive with different people and animals all woven throughout like the background. You know, it can look like that, you know, when you really give yourself over to that. 
you know, and, but you have to really immerse yourself into that world. That is gorgeous. I, I need to go and check that out. <laughs> but where I live is, we have a uh, jungle of cement. So, yeah, I, I miss my mountains. I miss that nature. I believe that is important, that contact. Yeah. Uh, constant con uh, contact. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, George, um, how easy or accepted it is uh, well I know that the awakening is happening and more people are awakening and more people are learning how to observe and how to listen how to be in contact with themselves and with the true self but that is not common yet in the majority of the population mm -hmm. how many people do you think right now it is uh, opening to learn not I'm talking about art Many people might wanted to learn art, how to paint or how to draw, or whatever. But um, to the concept of what it is, the sacred uh, geometry, how many people do you think it is uh, accepting now that new concept for them? That they always have existed, but for them it's new. Well, I mean, I would say from what I'm observing, Uh, you know, on social media or online, of course, that's my interest, you know, so whatever you're interested in, you're going to see more of, because <laughs> that's, you know, especially the way the algorithms or whatever pumps it through, and your friends tend to have those types of interests and the circles you hang out with, so it seems like everybody's into this. <laughs> But, you know, if, if you just look back, like I would look at some, you know, well-known uh, geometers, you know, like uh, Jane 108, for instance, I, I look back at his videos to just see his presence in sacred geometry. Like, when did it really start to take off for him? Like, how many people got interested in his work? And it was maybe like two or three years ago, there was like a real spike in the interest of sacred geometry that, I, that I'd seen, at least in his progression, and other geometers. Now, it's there's been in the culture for a long time, but at least within the past two to three years, maybe that's because my interest has increased, but I don't think so. I think that there is definitely a, a rise in the amount of uh, many documentaries or videos or ancient knowledge, occult wisdom, more and more authors, more and more books. Like this is really coming to a more of a, a head and becoming much more diffused in the broader cultural concept, uh, like with Gaia Channel and things like that, always putting on more and more about sacred geometry. I'd say it's really much greater than it had 10 years ago. Just to clarify, obviously, I'm talking about the Western society, because obviously, if we talk about the Buddhists and the monks, they do beautiful mandalas in sand, and as soon as they finish... They let it go. <laughs> But yes. uh, that is a different culture. I'm talking more in the Western, obviously. Yeah, that is yeah. That's what I was addressing, uh, at least from my small window of what I could see around me here in uh, North America. Yes. That is good. People are starting to learn. So do, they, do you have a... Is, you, you mentioned that it's eight weeks that people will work with you in your classes, Correct. And uh, what subjects you have in there, so like that? Uh, well, I got one other opportunity. I have the Patreon set up, um, which is a 
it's it's not as uh, intense. It's uh, a, a small Patreon group. I have a few people in it right now, and I think it's a really nice platform because I meet with the group once a month. You know, part of the membership and. Throughout the month, I produce a written contents because I'm working on a book and there's some sacred geometry steps in there. And I do a video describing the drawing. Like if you're a beginner and you're wanting to do sacred geometry, it's kind of like I'm walking people, walking you through this and then also meeting once a month. And that's, you know, like 16 bucks a month or something like that, you know, which is a really user friendly, accessible way to kind of just do sacred geometry and meet with with me and another group of geometers who are doing this. So um, the, the eight week course is, is a little more intense because it's once a week for eight weeks. And uh, the curriculum is, um, is not set in stone. It's more going with the flow of what is um, where my interests lie as well, you know? And I start off with the basics, get people interested, get them drawing. But then because I'm always interested in discovering new things, I'm always bringing slight adjustments or new models. So I've got people who took it last time who are going to come back again because there's more material that they know that will be interesting. So you can work with different people at different skill levels in that. Do you have a piece that you can show us uh, that you have done so like that for um, the people that do not understand exactly what I where? Yes. Hold on a sec. Let me just get... Uh, some of the drawings that we did in this notebook. Uh, you know, this is the, the, uh, the second week we did this one here. This is with the, this seed of life pattern with the phi ratio golden circles and the geometric form that was in the inside there of the dodecahedron. So that was, you know, one of the drawings we did. We did this uh, tree of life pattern, you know, the classic tree of life pattern, you know, because there's the flower of life, the food of life, tree of life. And so that that's the one. Uh, it looks like a little bit of the Kabbalah. Yeah, that's the Kabbalistic tree of life. So there's a few different interpretations of that. And I did this with the golden ratio circles. Um, let's see. We had... Uh, we did this one. This is one of the crop circle drawings that was a uh, pentaract. Uh, this is like a five, fifth dimensional structure that's uh, based on 10 and 5 symmetry. So the pentagon is in that. Now, I didn't color these in. You know, you could color them in. Now, we did a nine-pointed nine star, nine star one of the weeks um, with the same underlying pattern. So I like to work with it same template, you know, for a little bit, and then teach some different things that are within that. Uh, and then, you know, some of the colored artwork, you know, that I've done over the years, and, you know, things like this, and, you know, all around my walls and my home here for these wood engraved patterns and designs. And I really like uh, building polyhedra. You know, I work with the geometric shapes. So this is a 60-pointed star uh, that is you know, inside these uh, dodecahedron and icosahedron. So we really work with the platonic solids because I really work with trying to get my apprentices and Patreon group to really visualize the forms that are in these drawings as the three-dimensional structures that, you know, are like nested with inside one another. So, you know, you have a icosahedron, which represents the water element here, 
with the stellated dodecahedron inside and these really expand and grow off one another. So, you know, I've got tons and tons of little props, you know, that I bring out. And then we do the drawings of these. And the drawings that I like to do are real representations, 2D of these. So you can basically build the form from the, the drawing or it's an accurate representation of those. So that's really my thing. I just really am into the, uh, the, the you know, doing the, uh, the forms, you know, that are in the geometry because it's they're really like templates, you know, for these geometric designs and constructions. And then however the, uh, whatever the interest of the particular apprentice or student, they embellish that and find new patterns or create it or color it in however they want. You know, I believe sacred geometry has like a little seed for each of us that once we give it a little bit of water, it's going to take you in your own direction and your own interest. And what I'm realizing for myself is I just now trust that process, you know, that once you give a little water to a, an individual who's getting started with this, they're set on their own journey. You know, sometimes it's just overcoming, like, how do I use the compass? How do I do the straight edge? How do I do that? And once you do that and you know you can do that, well, you're off and running, you're drawing circles, you're making connecting the dots. And then you know, that little seed just opens up for that person on their own. So it's that's really what I try to inspire in the apprenticeships is, uh, you know, share my interest and passion and enthusiasm and then watch it emerge in them. That is beautiful. Uh, do you um, do you exhibit your work? Do you in galleries or what do you do with your work? My, my gallery is pretty much around my home. You know, I, I put it up on the walls. I have it in notebooks. I have tons of little geometric forms, big ones. Um, now, I mean, I, I really haven't done um, gallery shows. I mean, I'm always posting things on Facebook. You know, I have a new geometers uh, Facebook group, KNEW Geometers. That's a great way to... Uh, be with another group, a small group. I don't know. I've got maybe 60 people in there or something. They're posting their images. Um, I'm always sharing photo, you know, images that I draw on there. But that's really like my gallery is I just try to put it out through those social media networks just so that more people can see it through that medium, especially over the past two years. <laughs> you know. Uh, believe me, I have windows already covered with paintings and it, it, it can get so much, <laughs> you know, when we are, that's why I was asking you if, if you exhibit them and so forth, because I am true believer that when I, like when I paint, I, I know there's, they're going layers. There's, yeah, you can see a fish, let's put it like that. But behind the fish, there's something else that is going to go to the subconscious of the human being. There are people that are going to see it. There are people that are just going to see a fish. Mm -hmm. But there's something behind that fish. There is symbology and there's a lot of stuff, colors and so forth, that I wanted to go to the subconscious of the, of the human. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and when I exhibit my work, uh, they buy it or they don't, but they observe it. Mm -hmm. it. It did my work, mm -hmm. even if they don't buy it. And... It doesn't matter if they buy it or not. And that's why I was asking you. No, I, well, yes, that's probably something I'll explore in the future. Um, but I would say with the sacred geometry, for sure, there is that uh, subconscious element that's penetrating into people's deeper 
place within them. You know, there's some little seed, like I'm saying, that's contained with that drawing that may start to ignite, you know, and I believe that that's what these drawings are around is that they carry such a root resonance to something harmonic or frequency that we're going to resonate with at some point in life that can open up that part blossoming or flowering. You might not have to draw sacred geometry. You might never do that, but it starts to set you on a path of a more spiritualized growth, you know, uh, and, and that's how this sacred geometry can be associated just in and around us. You know, it's always used in, uh, in logos, let's say, you know, for yoga or, you know, it's always some little geometric pattern somewhere. And there's some attraction to that, you know, that it says, oh, I want to check that out. And that leads you down this path. So it plays a part, even if it's in the background. But this is really bringing it to the forefront of your consciousness. And when you do that, then you're really interacting with those forms rather than and you're really starting to understand and relate to them in a whole new way. And that's, you know, not only exciting for the mind, uh, but also deeply exciting and fulfilling on a, a spiritual journey, for sure. Well, the one that you showed us about the Kabbalah, the Kabbalah is a very profound study that I, I don't know at all. Uh, but I, I always been attracted to learn more about that because there are layers and layers and layers in the, in the Kabbalah. And you mm -hmm. can see it in the in in the sacred geometry that is it was there, and it's always been there since the beginning of time. The sacred mm -hmm. geometry for all of us, and if we see it or not, it is still there. Mm -hmm. And it is great to have a great teacher to to teach you about that. Thank you, George, for your service. Oh, thank you so much. It was a real pleasure to be here with you today. Thank you so much for having me. All right, much love, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for joining me today. I would love to share with you my transformational system, Path to the Heart, that I created just for you. Head over to monicaramireswarrioflove.com and you will find free resources. In there, you can download a masterclass in how to stop being people pleaser and meditations to get you started.